everybody. We are excited to be with you today on the Poker Diva Show. This is Ellen Lakins, your host. And for those of you who are new listeners, the Poker Diva Show is not about how to play poker. It's about how the game strategy can enhance both your personal life and your professional life. And, and you may not realize it, but you've been playing poker your whole life even if you've never played a hand of cards. You're, you're playing poker metaphorically every single day because the game is about reading people. It's about understanding people's motivations, how to get over a bad beat unemotionally and not let it ruin the other things that you're trying to do, how to deal with a bully, whether it's at the poker table or the conference table, and most importantly, playing to win as opposed to avoid losing in your life so that you get what you want. And, you know, the show is certainly not for women only. In fact, we encourage everyone to listen, and we have a lot of male listeners and guests on this show as we explore the gender dynamic a lot here because it's very real and it's very relevant in business. And today we have a special show, which is different from our usual format. It's geared for young women and men, of course, that are just entering the workforce, whether it's, it's students or people that have been out of the workforce for a long time. Because, you know, no matter how good your qualifications, um, how many internships you've had, what your education is, you are going to have to get into the door to convince a prospective employment that you're the best candidate. So it's not just going to happen magically. And it's important for you to know the skills. And there are a very specific set of skills that you can apply right away. And that you, as soon as, after you start listening to this show and you're, you, you're looking, you can start putting these things into practice. And to quote our guest today, our topic is going to be, you cannot shatter the glass ceiling until you've made it through the front door. Now, that sounds very profound. And we're going to talk more about it. I am very excited to talk with Anne Ryan today, who is the author of that quote. And she is a software professional with 15 years of experience. She's a four-time Grace Hopper celebration speaker. And for those of you who don't know Grace Hopper, it is the tech conference for women. meets every year 22,000 women in technology. And Anne is a big um, supporter of the conference and a, a very important participant. And she's also a Poker Divas First Place Workshop winner. Congratulations, Anne. We're happy to have you as <laughs> in our winner's circle. <laughs> Thank you, Ellen. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> and Anne's going to talk about some critical things which will help you get in the door and get the offer. So we're going to talk about crafting your elevator pitch, the importance of submitting your resume, even when you don't have all of the qualifications, by the way, uh, why you need to learn how to brag, which is not an easy thing for a lot of women. Men tend to be much better at it than we are. It took me a long time to learn how to brag. The three most important things a person needs to do before an interview and why you cannot go to the high stakes table or interview before you're ready. So welcome, Anne. So glad that you could make it onto the show. Thank you. I'm so excited. This is my first podcast ever. Oh, it is? It is. Oh, well, we're honored that you did it on the Poker Divas podcast. All right. Well, before we talk, I want to tell our audience a little bit about you. You know, Anne is on a mission to help students discover and land their dream jobs. 
For the past 10 years, she has facilitated resume workshops and reviewed hundreds of resumes, all while solving increasingly complex technologically I'm sorry, technical challenges in her day job in product support and site reliability engineering at Palantir Technology. She is a co-founder of Palantir's Women in Technology Affinity Group, which is dedicated to providing professional development, mentorship, and opportunities to women and their allies. She cares passionately about providing equal voices to females in engineering, which is a very critical, and has previously spoken about resumes, career paths, and interviewing at numerous Grace Hopper celebrations and at colleges across the country. And prior to joining Palantir, Anne worked at IBM, where she was a board member of the Research Triangle Park's Women's Diversity Network Group, and she began her career in technology by earning an undergraduate degree in computer systems, engineering, and computer science, at Rensselaer Polytech Institute, and she has her Master's of Engineering from Duke University. Well, that is quite impressive, Anne. (laughs) Thank you. It was an opportunity to brag about myself on my bio. Excellent, excellent. Yes, that, that, that was lesson number one. It's okay to brag in your bio. So, Anne, in addition to all your professional accomplishments, I must first congratulate you on your recent win at our um, Women in Tech Poker Divas workshop. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I was so excited. It was, to me, like uh, winning Miss America. I just, I felt so excited. And for anyone who hasn't been to Ellen's workshops, they are amazing. And I think I've been to four are, yeah. Now, so they're working. Yeah, they're working. They came in first. Yeah, you came working. in first. I think, and I, th- I hope you're displaying your trophy proudly. I am. It's going to sit on my desk at work. Did you have to bluff to win it? I did not bluff. I had a really good hand, and I just bet really well. You did. You bet aggressively. I did. I bet, and I bet against someone I knew who would match me. Okay, so she, you, yeah. you knew the personalities of the per- people you were playing with. I did. You know, <laughs> so and and you know, you need to know the personalities of the people you're playing with when you're looking for a job too. That is very right? true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those additional lessons you learn from poker that, that relate to what you're doing on a professional level. So, so tell us about um, some of the workshops that you've run for students. Well, sure. Um, actually, just to give you some context, when I was growing up, when I was really young, I was terrified of public speaking. I actually didn't really talk that much to oh, anyone wow. until I got to high school. And then I started to to speak up and I haven't stopped talking since. (laughs) And so so it really started in, I think it was 2014 and my colleague and I got together and we said, I think it'd be really fun if we spoke at Grace Hopper. We'd been before and and we thought it would be fun to do a workshop. And we said, well, what do we want to talk about? What will we do? And so we decided to do a workshop geared toward college students because there's a lot of college students that attend the conference. And we came up with this five by five matrix five essentials to rock your interview process. And we spent time writing the proposal and we had wonderful colleagues who reviewed it and helped us out and we sent it in and then we waited patiently. Yeah. And we were denied. You were denied. We did not get in. No. Ah. But then I got really ambitious (laughs) and the next year came around and we had gotten some feedback about the proposal. So we decided to incorporate the feedback into the proposal and we added a sample handout. We wanted to give a handout to everyone mm-hmm. who came to the workshop yeah. at the end of the proposal, and we submitted it again. And then I also submitted a different talk because I thought, well, if I submit at least two, maybe the odds are I'll get one. Yeah. Well, that yeah. year I got both. Oh, Yeah, so fabulous. I got to speak twice. 
at the conference and we went and we ran out of handouts. We had so many people. We couldn't, we couldn't believe how many people showed up to the <laughs> workshop. And then that kind of started it. And in 2017, uh, I got to speak again on resumes. Um, I just expanded one of the sections that we did in the original workshop. And then in 2018, um, I turned the original like sort of group uh, mentoring circle resume uh, workshop mm -hmm. on the suggestion of another colleague um, into just like a peer feedback session. And my colleague and Mara and I went and we gave it at uh, Grace Hopper and she added such just absolutely wonderful things to it. And it's just become like a really fantastic workshop. It is. I was, I was lucky time. enough to be there. It, it, it is a great workshop. I, I will, I will attest to that. So, you know, one of, one of the things you talk about in the workshop is, yep. is crafting an elevator pitch. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, elevator pitches, you know, it seems very, you know, everyone's like, oh, I know my elevator pitch pitch, but you don't, you know, you have what, what do you consider an elevator pitch? 30 seconds, 60 seconds. I usually go with three sentences, three sentences. Okay. So, so can you, can you give our listeners, um, some insight into what makes a good elevator pitch and maybe give us your elevator pitch or, or somebody else's that you think is fabulous? I'll try to do mine. I'll okay, good. Mine. Perfect, perfect. Um, so I think an elevator pitch is useful in a couple of situations. And it's, it's basically like if you were stuck in an elevator with someone, right. how could you pitch yourself or <laughs> tell them about yourself before they got out on their floor, right? right, um, right. So I think it's really useful at job fairs when you have to go up to recruiters and kind of tell them what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And also you want to give the recruiter enough information so that they know how to direct you or how to start the conversation, right? So usually I suggest that you give your name, your major, if you're looking for an internship or a full-time job, and then a couple of things about your experience and what you're looking for, right? Um, so it could be like, hi, I'm Anne, and I'm a sophomore studying computer science. I'm really interested in um, back-end engineering work, and I read on your website that you have a couple internships available in your uh, Chicago office uh, in this one group. Could you tell me about that? Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that just struck and is able to start the conversation um, and so like mine, I think mine would probably be, I was thinking about this actually on the way over. I'd probably, if I had to introduce myself to someone at like a networking event, I'd probably say, hi, I'm Ann Ryan. Um, right now I work at Palantir as a project manager and I'm one of the POCs for a woman in tech group. But when I'm not solving problems in my day job, um, I like to moonlight as a speaker <laughs> and give workshops <laughs> to college students on preparing for the interview process, especially resumes. Um, that just seems to be my thing. And then I wish to kind of start the conversation from there. And, and do, you, do you ask a question at the end usually? I typically do. My, my strategy, this is my own personal strategy, yeah. is that uh, people like to talk about themselves. Yeah, they sure do. So if you ask someone a question about themselves, themselves it's going to really get the ball rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so they should be quick, right? They, they should be quick. It should be very quick, yeah. yes. So ha have, is that, have you ever heard an elevator pitch that just made you cringe because it was either really way off or very long or put you to sleep i have um ones where you where i think you just have to kind of get someone interested and kind of kind of get them started but i have heard some that have gone on for a couple minutes mm -hmm. um, and I, it's hard hard for me <laughs> <laughs> trying to be very polite to kind of say wait a sec wait a sec slow down slow down because i think people just get so excited and that's fantastic yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but then you're not really have a conversation like you're not conversing with someone. You're talking at someone. Right. So. So the um, it, I, it sounds from what you're saying, too, it is you should put something in there that's a little bit memorable. 
as opposed to you know you mentioned you yeah. that you like to do you know workshops and and so what can what can people put together to make themselves a little stand out a little bit more that's a really good question i think if you think about some of your extracurricular activities or a project you ran or um, a volunteer opportunity that you did um, I think that would like it's kind of a hook on the end yeah um, I once had a colleague who actually did research with lasers and sharks and she would mention that in her <laughs> elevator pitch and <laughs> it was fantastic memorable. yeah <laughs> yeah um, I, I don't have any lasers and sharks um, but <laughs> <laughs> yet yeah and it also right. depends on the person you're talking to right like I might introduce myself differently if I was talking to a recruiter Versus like someone at a at a woman in tech conference, right? Um, just depending. Well, now you can tell them that you're the winner of the uh, first place winner of the poker team. Oh, I may have to update my pitch now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so we have to go to break now. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk to Ann Ryan about why you need to learn to brag about yourself. So stay tuned to Poker Divas on Talk Radio NYC. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi. I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Lakened on the Poker Diva Show, and today we are talking with Ann Ryan, a veteran software professional, four-time Grace Hopper Celebration speaker, and a Poker Diva's first place workshop winner, about what you need to do to get in the door so you can shatter the glass ceiling. Welcome back, Ann. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. And and just for the record, I'm here as myself. Not for, uh, the, Everything that I'm saying are my own opinions. 
Well, that's good. <laughs> I like we like your opinion very much. So you know, we were talking about resumes a little bit, and you know, the elevator pitch. Do you, do you think cover letters matter? I think it depends on the job. Mm-hmm. I've seen some job applications require them. Mm-hmm. and others don't but if you do have a cover letter it's just a way to highlight a couple of things or maybe expand upon something that didn't fit in your resume uh, and, and kind of reinforce why you would be a good fit for the position okay now that's good to know because there's always debate should i have a cover letter or not i personally i like to get a cover letter from somebody when they're applying for a job mm-hmm. I, I understand them better so you know you also talked in your workshop about the um the aesthetics of resumes. You know, yeah. people think looks don't matter, and they do. It, it matters how you're dressed. It matters how you write. It matters how you present yourself. And the same thing is true when you're doing your resume. So can you explain to our listeners the, 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 the four aesthetics that you talk about for building an appropriate resume? Yeah, sure. Um, a lot of it is is the, what would I would call like the basic aspects of a resume. So that includes spelling and grammar, and it includes formatting. Um, and the reason I'll, st- I'll start over and, and spelling and grammar is really important because it shows attention to detail. Mm. And usually when I give workshops, I ask a couple questions at the beginning and I'll ask the room, like how many people have ever written a resume the night before they needed one? Mm. And usually <laughs> 75% of the room raises their hands. I go, okay. And I go, well, how many people have sent out a resume that they found out later had a blatant spelling or grammar error on it? And I usually like 50% of the people raise their hand for that. Um, and a lot of it is because you spend so much time staring at it, you just forget. Yeah, I'm guilty you, of that. Yeah, 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 so am I. Um, and that's why we mention it in the in the in like the uh, workshop is to recommend that you have a peer, someone else, read your resume yeah. before you send it just in case. Because I know there's, there's spell check and grammar check, you know, in, in a lot of word processing softwares, but sometimes it, sometimes you can miss something. Oh, it's easy. It's easy yeah. to miss stuff. Yeah. It's easy to miss. So, so everybody, it's, it sounds obvious, but check your spelling and grammar. Yeah, I actually had a, an uh, old friend of mine uh, send me his resume, and I sent it right back, and I said, you need to fix this. He said, well, what's wrong with it? I said, you spelled the word objective wrong at the top. It says objective. Yeah. <laughs> this, this tr- yeah, this is a true story. And, and he goes, oh, no, I think I sent out about 50 of them so uh. far. I said, oh, it's, that's not good. You have to fix that. Um, and it was, it was just me. Just I mean, I just opened it and yeah. looked at it really quick, and I saw it immediately. So I always encourage people, like, if you're writing your resume the day day before, at least make sure someone can review it before you print it out. Yeah, you know, and you oh, send yeah. it somewhere. Um, and I think it's much better to just constantly like a resume is a living document. You can keep working on it as often as you want. And if you're not getting the results that you want out of it, you can change it. Right, um, right. And then try again, and that's okay. I'm sorry, we were talking. And then so the right? other aesthetic. So that's that's the and then you, the the format. Yeah, talked about the format. And the reason why I think the format, again, it's attention to detail, but also if you're at a, a, a venue like a career fair and you're handing your resume out to recruiters, they're going to need to find out information about you really quickly. They're going to probably want to pick out things like your name, your major, when you graduate, your past roles, you know, just kind of things about you. And if it's well formatted, then you can pull out those things really quickly. Um, Should you have school? If you're just starting, do you want school first or your internships first? I think that's a personal preference. I, I usually recommend that if you're in school, put your school first okay. so that people know that you're looking for an internship or your for, first full-time job. And then after that, I think it's up to you. Um, yeah. I was thinking about something else with the 
with the formatting, but I just totally blanked. That's okay. Listen, yeah. we, blank, we <laughs> blank all the time. Just <laughs> You blank in an interview, you just bluff your way through it, right? Yeah, I also recommend that folks do... I just actually just read an article on LinkedIn the other day that had some research that said that uh, people prefer two-page resumes. I was just going to ask you that question. Yeah, and I saw it and I went, oh, I disagree. <laughs> I what actually, do you think? I like a one-page resume because then you don't have to flip back and forth mm-hmm. and then you don't risk giving people two pages and then they have to find a paper clip to hold it together. Um, I like the one page and I think it, it's kind of like, um, I remember a quote where if I have to talk for an hour, I could, I could do it immediately. But if I have to talk for 10 minutes, I need a couple of days to prepare. And I, and I think <laughs> that's, that's it shows like you've really <laughs> thought about how you want to represent yourself and what you want to say on that one page. And that's very difficult to do. And so I usually recommend that folks do one page on their resume, yeah, one side. And then they can put everything else that they didn't that didn't make it on their LinkedIn profile. Yeah, that I think that's a good idea. And I also I think when you're just coming out of school, you should be able to get your resume on one page because when you have more experience, you know, two pages is, is the max. You don't you don't want to, you know, if you start at two pages, you'll wind up writing a notebook full as you as you get more experience. So, yeah, un- unless I, I would imagine it's important to keep it enough open space so that it's easy to read. The the spacing is also also important in formatting. We go over that in the workshop too. Um, a lot of times the common mistakes I see are uh, not not enough space or margins that are improperly spaced, like one's too big, one's too small, or in between sections, the spacing is different sizes. Mm. I see that a lot. And if you compare a resume that has poor formatting with one that does, it is just so much easier to read. Yeah. And I remembered what I was thinking about earlier, actually. So I'll, I'll talk about okay, that good, really quick. Good. Um, but it's the <laughs> formatting aspect. It's like, I usually relate it to have you ever gone to a talk and watched a speaker who was so mesmerizing and so engaging that you could kind of turn your brain off Yeah, and you didn't have to think about it and right. you just enjoyed the topic, enjoyed the conversation um, versus going to a speaker um, where might they might be very knowledgeable, but they're just not as engaging and you kind of have to repeat every word they say yes. in your head yes. in order to like stay awake. Um, that's the difference between a well-formatted resume and a poorly formatted one. If, if I'm reading it, and especially if, if you're looking at resumes, like you're a hiring manager or you're a recruiter, I would think you're probably going through hundreds a day. Yeah. So it's, if, it, if you can find what you need very quickly in a well-formatted resume, I mean, that takes so much less brain power. Right. You have it's, to make it yeah. easy on the person. You know, no yeah. one's going to struggle. To your point, they're getting, people are getting 400 resumes for one job. They're not going to struggle to read yours. If it's not easy, they, they've got 399 others to do it. So... You know, these are very basic things, but you have to just do them. You know, it'll, that and not everybody does these things. Yeah, you want to make the, the experience of reading your resume pleasant. Right, exactly. For the reader. You don't want to make it a job. So, okay, so they've read your resume. Mm-hmm. Finally, they, they've looked at it because it looks appealing. The aesthetics are good. Now, what's in it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually get this question a lot, like, especially from folks just starting out, like, what can I put? in my resume and it's everything from volunteer positions, um, projects you've done in class or personally, your work experience. Uh, and here, here's a story. I met a student, a lovely, lovely student I was talking to one day and she said, um, I, I have a question about if I should put this on my resume. I said, well, what is it? She said, well, I have a part-time job. And I said, oh, th- that's great. What do you do? And she goes, well, it's not related to my major. So I didn't want to put it on my resume. I said, well, tell me about it. And I think she said, I, I work at a restaurant. I said, mm-hmm. okay. I said, so how many hours a week do you work there? She said, 20. Oh. And I said, so you're going to school full time 
and you have a part-time job of 20 hours a week working? And she goes, yeah. I said, yeah, you got to put that on your resume. That's amazing. And it's, to me, I said, it showcases that you have a lot of drive, a lot of gumption, a lot of grit, right? right? And you're supporting yourself while you're going through school, working 20 hours a week. That's amazing. And you don't have to put, like, all you have to do is put that. And I already know that you have time management skills and you're a go-getter just by putting that down. Um, and also I'll, as a reader, I'll see that in the resume. Right. Um, so I think a lot of times I see folks that have experience that might not be related to what they're studying, yes. but it's really good to put on the resume. Yeah. It tells a story. It tells yeah. a story. Now the, you know, we talk, we, we, we set up from, we're going to talk about why you need to learn to brag. And mm-hmm. I think that people have to do more bragging. I'm not saying lying, I'm saying they have to do more bragging on their, their resumes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to your point, this person was working 20 hours a week and didn't want to put it on their resume. So do you, do you find that women in particular are hesitant to, you know, show this bravado and really showcase themselves in, in an outstanding light on their resumes? I mean, I've read a lot of resumes and, and I've, have a lot of examples of like the common mistakes that I see and I'll speak for myself. Like yeah. I, I, it is uncomfortable for me to brag. Like even writing the bio that I sent to you today, I had to sit there and go, <laughs> all right, Anne, this is your time to shine. You know? <laughs> I mean, well, I, you overcame yeah, it. Well, right? thank you. I did. I, That's what I we agreed want. to come on the show first. <laughs> um, I think, I think a lot of folks in general, um, do short sell themselves on the resume, but this is a time where you need to, you do need to brag. And I see it a lot, not just with what you put on it, but in the wording, how you describe right. what you do. And I see a lot of uh, verbs like participated in, contributed to, experience with. Right. And to those, those are more passive verbs. And I, when I usually, when I ask someone, I said, well, tell me about this. What did you actually do? And I found out they led the whole project. So what are better words than that? Yeah. Um, you know, I see a lot of developed, uh, so what I say, um, contributed to, engaged with, um, I think you just have to figure out what was my role so in that lead group. Is, yeah. is lead, I mean, if you're a junior person, you, you, you know, you may, everyone knows you're not leading the entire project. Maybe you could say you led a, a, a part, po- of, it, a part yeah. of this project or spearheaded or conceived. Yeah. New yeah. ideas, innovated. Yeah. Right. Um, pitched. Like pitched. you pitch, pitch an idea yeah. and then the group went with it. Um, or you, yeah, you handled a particular part of the project um, or you, you came up, you know, you created the presentation and gave it yourself. Created is another really great yeah. verb to use. Created is a word. Um, so I think it's, it's sometimes it's the exercise of thinking about like, what, what did I do? Not, not, and it's important to understand what the group did, but what did I do to contribute to the group right. and then put that down. And then metrics play a role in this too. They do. Um, I mentioned that to add weight and credibility. Um, and so a lot of the times in the, in the tech world, I'll give a tech example. Like you could say I fixed issues, like I fixed bugs in software. Right. But if you just say I fixed bugs, then I don't know if you fixed 150 or you fixed two. Right. So I want more specifics, more numbers. Right. And, um, and that, that also, is, I think, is part of the bragging. We're going to talk more about this um, when we come back. We're going to go to break now and um, stay tuned to Poker Divas on Talk Radio NYC. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Diva show today. We are talking with Ann Ryan, a veteran software professional, a four-time Grace Hopper celebration speaker, and a Poker Divas first place workshop winner. And we're talking about what you need to do to get in the door so you can shatter the glass ceiling. And this show is specially geared towards young women and men too that are that are just entering the workforce. So we're back with Ann. And we, we started talking before the break about, you know, bragging on your resume, so to speak. And part of that is including metrics because people want to know not only what you did, but what the impact of what you did is, what you did was. So, Anne, mm-hmm. um, what, can, can, you, can you flesh that out a little bit more for our listeners? Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of the what and the why. And adding more specifics or metrics about what you did. Um, just gives you more credibility and then adding the impact that you had in, in doing that thing um, mm-hmm. just carries so much more weight. Um, and it's, I think it's just also a lot more believable, right? And it doesn't leave anything to the imagination. So before the break, I mentioned like the phrase fixed issues and that can mean you fixed 150 or two. I don't know. And I don't know what software you fixed it on. I don't know how long it took you. I don't know uh, uh, any more than that. I don't know what program you were, you know, what language you were using, um, so you have to add more specifics. So like instead of saying I fixed issues, you could say I fixed 150 high priority issues for the 1.0 release of X software. You know, right, that's much better. It's much better. Yeah. And it's, it's way more impressive. Right. Yeah. And so. I, I know, you know, in, in marketing, when we when we do uh, resumes, it's, you know, it, you know, it helps to say increase sales by X or increase redemption by X or click through rate by X. So just to give it to, to quantify, you know, whatever, whatever field yeah. you're in, whatever field you're in to do, give some sort of, you know, value to what you did. Because I find that people sometimes just they list everything they've ever done and, and they're and they're also mm-hmm. repetitive. You know, if they did, you know, X, Y and oh, it's snowing. If they did X, Y and Z, first snow <laughs> of the season, um, you know, if you if you um, 
you know, just if you, if you if you set up meetings at one job, you don't have to say it at every every on every part of your resume and every post that you have. Is that correct? You know, you just sort of indicate you're able to do it. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's also, uh, and I see this a lot. Um, it's also more helpful to show that you've done something rather than to tell me. Okay, so, so I, do you talk about that show, don't tell? What, what does yeah. that mean? So it kind of means like I, I see sometimes in objective statements or, or skills, and it's, and it's important to have soft skills, but the objective statement might say something like, I'm a hard worker and I'm a good communicator. And th- those are great. Those are great things. But I'd mm-hmm. rather see that throughout your resume than have it stated somewhere, like in an objective statement. Mm-hmm. So pe- I, should people have an objective statement? I'm how much time do we have (laughs) (laughs) I'm at like a 50 50 I think of and I'll try to shorten it but I think objective statements can be useful but they can also be detrimental so one thing is it takes up extra space Mm -hmm. and a lot of times I see objective statements that don't actually give give me any helpful information um and I'd rather like see I what what I'd rather see is more examples of the skills you have throughout your resume, then have it kind of summarized in an objective. However, with that caveat, I think if you have a very specific goal of where you want to go or the kind of role that you want, then you can use an objective statement to mention that, but then also be aware that um, you, you may not do like you may get passed over for roles that don't exactly meet that criteria because right. someone might think limiting. you wouldn't be interested, right? It, it, yeah. it could be limiting. But then again, if that's exactly what you want to do, I say mm-hmm. go for it. So what I usually recommend folks is that, and this is someone who's had an objective statement in their resume in the past, I did. And I'd usually just use it to say, I want this job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I usually recommend that folks write an objective statement of like, what qualities and skills do you want to convey in your resume? And then put the objective statement somewhere on the wall. And as they're writing their resume, keep thinking back to that objective statement to say, are these examples of me demonstrating that skill or that quality about myself that I have. Mm-hmm. And then there's no need to put an objective statement on your resume that like I'm a hard worker communicator. And like I said, all well and good, but I'd rather you show me in the examples that you have yeah. of your experience than putting it in an objective statement. And then the worst case scenario is you put stuff in your objective statement that you can't back up in that the you rest don't of your support. resume. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we, they, 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 everyone's got their resume put together right now and they're looking for a job. Okay. And they see a job, and there are 10 skills that are re- asked, required for the job. There are 10 different skills, mm-hmm. all right? So studies show that women think they need at least 8 to 10 of the skills to apply, and men will apply with 40 or 50. And one of our event attendees said, I'd apply if I didn't have any. So that was a, ge- a guy. I will tell you that when I when I said that when I said that at the event, he was like, he says I was laughing at that. He says I would apply if I wanted the job. So the I don't, I don't necessarily think there's it should be that extreme, but the we know that women think they need all ten ten, ten qualifications, and we know that's not the case, right? It is not. From my my personal experience, um, I don't think it is. And I, I think job descriptions can be really useful in also growing your resume. And I also recommend this to folks. Like if there's this job description that you find really compelling and you're like, this is where I want to go in my career. Then you can use that job description to match it against your resume and find the delta, meaning the, the, the skills that you don't quite have yet or you want to improve in order to get there. And then you can keep moving yourself, yourself towards that role. Right. And in the same vein, for different roles, you can create a, a totally different resume. So you can highlight 
the skills that you do have, right. You know, in that resume and, and then submit that as well, which I've, I've actually done. Myself. Yeah. Having two different resumes based on, on, on the different jobs. Oh yeah. Sometimes I recommend it to folks at, at career fairs are like, Oh, I'm not sure if I want to be like in project management or I'm not sure if I want to be a developer. And I say, well, make two resumes. And right. then the companies that you want a project management role with, you give them that version. And the companies you want a developer role with, you give them that version. Right. So, so I think you can also, I, I, I would love to see people apply to, to things that interest them. And I think there's a way you can also feel more confident about it by updating your resume to fit that role. I mean, that's what I would, that's what I've done. Right. That's what's helped me out. I think that's very good advice. And, yeah. and you know what? The, the other side of that is even if you, the, these are wish lists by companies. Companies do not expect you to have the 10 qualifications um, on, on the post. They just, they just don't. So if you have, I'll, if I had to come up with a number, I would say if you have half of the qualifications and you think you can learn the others, I, I would apply for it. There's no, you have no, there's no downside. You know, even if you had no qualifications and it was your dream job, you know, you never know. Sometimes people, you know, there's a million people who do the same thing. And sometimes they want somebody who's a little bit different. And you, that, th I'm not saying that that's your overall job strategy, but that can be like a little bit of it. It's like when you're investing, you know, you have some very solid investments and then you have some play money. Yeah. Well, that would be your play money, you know, <laughs> applying to a couple of jobs where, you know what, you, have, you don't really have the qualifications, but you're so passionate about it. It comes out in a cover letter or whatever it is, and maybe you'll get lucky. You know, sometimes you get lucky. So I, I, I encourage, especially the women that are listening to the show, to not, not be deterred from applying because you don't have every single skill that's on that piece of paper. Because I can tell you one thing, the, the guys that you're competing with aren't. So well, let's level the playing field on that one. Sometimes you have to ask. Yes. You have to ask. And I, I, I did. So in high yes. school, I was working at a, a major restaurant for a while. And then I, I quit because I had to go back to school. Yeah. And then I decided I wanted a different job. I used to babysit, but all the kids I babysat grew up. And could babysit themselves. So I didn't have a source of income. You were out of, you were out of a job. I was, out, I was. I was out of a job. And so I just decided I would work for a more upscale restaurant. And I made a resume. That was my first resume. And I marched in to this restaurant that I saw in the local newspaper. It had just opened in the local newspaper with my resume. And I asked them for a job. And they gave me one. I wow. was amazed. It was wow, the first place amazing. I've ever walked in. I mean, I, I obviously I interviewed. But... I think just the chutzpah, like, like the confidence that I had going yeah. in of just having this resume. And I was in high school. I was a senior in high school. I don't even know what I, I think probably have a copy of it somewhere, but I don't remember what I put in the resume. I probably put all the clubs I was in and the stage crew I right. did and, right. and my high school um, and my interests. And then just, and the, I think the fact that I showed up with a resume was like cold, like a cold call. Right. And I just asked. And that happened to me when I went to college fairs, I would walk up to companies and I would just ask. What, what internships they had, mm -hmm. you know, and I would say, I really, I really researched your company. I really, really like it. I like some of the options here. Can you tell me more about it? I'm looking for an internship. And sometimes just the fact that I was asking help, help get the foot in the door. Yeah. The power of the ask. I mean, yeah. that can't be stressed enough. It took me many years to learn that. And I actually had a boss that I never really liked who once told me to ask for a promotion. I thought she was crazy because I said, who would have to ask for a promotion? They know I want a promotion. But she was right. It took me a very long time to figure that out. So the ask is key, just like the bet in poker. The bet is the ask. Um, so you should be asking and you should be self-promoting yourself and you shouldn't be shy and you shouldn't be modest. So now you're in the door. 
and you're sitting across from the first person that you're meeting and they say to you the very dreaded question. <laughs> so tell me about yourself, Anne. What do you tell people to, res- how do you tell people to respond? Well, you give them your elevator pitch. You yeah. give them your elevator yeah. pitch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good place to start because again, if like if your elevator pitch is well crafted and kind of gives an overview of you and you can kind of have a hook with something interesting and fun. Um, and then if, if they just keep, st- uh, keep staring at you, then I think you just start talking about, about how your skills relate to the company and start asking questions about the company. That's probably what I would what I would do. So, so you don't just go, you know, through a chronological history of your resume at nauseam, or do you? I mean, if, not an elevator pitch, but it is it is probable that that you could have an interview where someone would want you to do that. Okay. Yeah, but so, I, I would say, tell me about yourself. That's a prime prime way to start with the elevator pitch and kind of go from there. And that's enough. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Because I used to answer that question, and in hindsight, it just I just went on and on and on and on. Yeah. I I, I, I didn't just know. That, yeah. I think it's a good place to start, and then you can kind of gauge where to go, where to go from there. But again, if if you have your elevator pitch ready, then you won't you won't be afraid of the dreaded "tell me about yourself" question. You'll be ready to go. Right, and that also can be a um, not a door opener. It can be, you know, an icebreaker. You know, it's yeah. it's at least at least it gets you talking. And one of the toughest things to do when you start in an interview is to, you know, it's awkward at the beginning with a lot of people. I think, you know, it's not. You know, sometimes you connect, but sometimes, especially if you're interviewing with HR, it's very serious and staid. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just the fact that you're getting starting to talk, get over that helps you get over that fear if any if you have any anxiety you know a lot of people have anxiety when they had an interview when they interview i used to have a lot of anxiety when i interviewed i think interviewing is really tough and any sort of conversation and interaction can be really tough um i was i was a little bit nervous coming onto the podcast but i've i've loosened up but we've also well, had a conversation and listen i'm really nervous fun. every time i do yeah. the podcast <laughs> so you know i totally understand that <laughs> I, I mean one way to practice too i mean and i recommend this to folks um, and I, I've done it myself is you got to practice before you go right. into the interview and especially yes, with the elevator yes. pitch, if you're at a job career fair, right? I usually yeah. say, don't go to the company you really like first, go to two or three that you're kind of iffy about and just practice, use, you know, practice your pitch and then you'll be so honed by the time you get to the companies you're really interested in. No problem. Yes. That's like you don't go to the high stakes table before you're ready to, you know, to play with the, 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 the big players. All right. Yep. So we are going to break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about to Anne about acing that interview. Stay tuned. We'll be back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back. This is Ellen Lakend on the Poker Diva Show, and today we are talking with Ann Ryan, a veteran software professional, four-time Grace Hopper Celebration speaker, and a first-place Poker Diva Workshop winner. And we're talking about how what you need to do to get in the door so you can shatter the glass ceiling. So, Ann, before the break, we were we started talk. We went from from the resume to the actual interview. So, if if you had to tell a candidate the three most important things they need to do before an interview, what would you say? Yeah, I would say uh, practice, uh, practice questions, uh, and that could be anything from you can Google like the top one hundred asked interview questions, which could be tell me about yourself or tell me about a time you worked on a team, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also suggest if you're going for a technical role to practice technical interviews and I would practice writing code. Um, there are some great websites like Glassdoor uh, and other ones that can give you some sample interview questions. So the first thing I would say would be to practice and get really comfortable. Um, the next would be to prepare questions for the company and prepare questions that you want to ask the people interviewing you about the role to make sure that you really understand it because you're going to have, you know, this is something you're going to have to be going to every day. Right. Um, to work. And then the third, I would say, is to remember that interviews are a two way street. The company is interviewing you, but you're also interviewing the company. Yeah. And I think people forget that, I th- especially, you know, women in tech. I think everybody wants women in tech. So they, 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 they are in a, in, a, in a good position, I think. The whole industry is actually, I, I think, in a great position. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of demand for CS. Yeah, there's a lot. So, so no, especially in those industries where you're, you're in hot demand, you, it really is a two-way street. So make sure you get in, you know, make sure you recognize that. You know, you're value too. They're not doing you a favor by hiring you. You know, you're also doing them a favor by working for them. It is, it is a two-way street. Mm-hmm. And I would add one thing to that. I would add researching, if possible, if you know who you're talking to, researching the, the person you're talking to and researching the company too. You know, it's in, in poker, we, we like to... Um, know who, who our, our competitors are or the players at the table with us. And it, it, it helps you. And it makes also, I think it makes you f- them feel that you're interested in the company, you know, yeah. that you did, that you did the research. Um, 
So, okay, so those are the, those are the key things to do before you have an interview. Now, the, the other thing that's very important in an interview are, are nonverbal cues. And we know that statistically, 90% of how people perceive you um, is not the words that come out of your mouth. It is the way you look, your poise, your voice tone, your nonverbal cues. And, and at the poker table, we're constantly assessing nonverbal cues. Now, can we pick up a, a, a tell or a cue? And in an interview, it's, it's the same thing. So there's, it's, and it, it's two ways. It's what, what are you putting out and what is the person you're talking to putting out. So obviously, you want to sit up straight and look engaged. You want you want to look in the other you want to look in the other person's eyes. You don't want to be looking at your phone. You don't want to be looking at your watch. If somebody walks in the room and you're sitting down, get up, engage, shake their hand. You don't just sit there like a like a like a blob. Um, and you you have to be you have to be respectful of people because I'm telling you, as much as a lot of companies have casual days and everything looks very. Um, casual and the, the people pay attention to these things because it says a, it says a lot about you it says a lot about you so those are the things that I think people tend to neglect in their nonverbal cues and they're also they're so they're so in they're so anxious about what they're going to say next they're not listening to the other person which is another issue if you're not listening to the other person you're just thinking about what you're going to say next you're not going to really be able to talk about your accomplishments as effectively, and you don't hear what the what the interview is really looking for. You can get a lot of cues from the interviewer. Now, on your side, um, if the interviewer is looking at their watch, you better re-engage them. You know, you better try to re-engage them because you've lost their attention. If they're looking confused, maybe slow down. You're talking too fast. You know, try to pick up things if they're taking notes. Um, you also may want to speak a little bit slower. So pay attention to what they're doing too. Um, it's hard for you to control their nonverbal cues, but you can pay attention to them. But your own nonverbal cues are, are very key. I agree. Would I you like agree? You, I, I agree. I like what you said about being present as well. Yeah. And I think for me, if I do a little preparation and I've practiced responding to different questions and know my resume backwards and forwards and have researched the company and know what questions I'm going to ask, then... I, I can actually sit back and, and actually be present because I'm not constantly trying to use my brain power to figure out what am I going to say, what am I going to say. I already know what I'm going to say. Right. Yeah. And even for this podcast, I have about <laughs> eight <laughs> sheets of notes. <laughs> yes, I totally get it. I totally get it. But, you know, we, we sort of go with the flow here. Yeah. You know, we, we go with the flow in, in the interview. So, you know, I, I do, you know, I... I I do think that these these nonverbal cues are something we, we really have to be aware of. And I think also it, this becomes important even if you're doing a video interview. Can, can you talk a little bit about the difference when you're doing a live interview versus you're doing something by video where the person's not present? Do you mean like 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 we you can see the interviewer and yeah. they can see you? Yeah, yeah but I, you're not in the same room. Do you think there's a difference? I think they're pretty similar. You do? Yeah, I mean... There's, there's the phone. I mean, you could have a bunch of different interviews. You could have like a, a coding interview online, which is just you writing some code and submitting it. Um, mm -hmm. There's phone interviews, which are also different than a video interview. In uh, what way? Phone interview, I mean, it, I think... Um, I just think it's a different form of communication than, than someone being able to see you. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I've, I've had to do phone interviews in the past, I kind of view them as... Um, they're usually like a gateway 
I think in my experience when I, and I've interviewed at a lot of different places, um, mm-hmm. to getting that onsite interview or to getting the video interview. Um, but I usually on the phone, I think the way that I'm speaking and my voice and the enthusiasm has to carry a lot more because someone can't see that I'm smiling and they yes. can't see my face. Yes. So your right. voice pr- projection and tone is very important. You should stand up while you're on a phone interview. Not so you have some energy. Right? Yeah, I've actually I've actually heard uh, heard that advice before. Yeah. You should walk around, yeah, pace the room, and and again for a phone interview or a video interview is you want to find a quiet space to do it. You want to make sure that you've got your software set up and your phone your phone is working, you know, and you have time, <laughs> yeah, and you charged. have time to <laughs> to get to that that quiet place, yep. block out time for that, and also leave a bit extra time because maybe the interview is going really well and they said it was going to be half an hour and now you're at an hour. That's that's great. Right. So maybe uh, like allowing a, a decent amount of time between your other engagements to make sure that you have time to get there, get in your headspace, get set up. It's quiet. You can hear everything that the interviewer is saying. And then you allot some time for just in case it does run over or something happens and maybe you have some tech problems and you, you don't get started for the first 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. And I think these things seem very obvious, you know, but there but you'd be amazed how many people and I'm sure you've seen it much more than I have even don't do this, you know, basic preparation. Yeah. I think it, I think it's tough too, because I think everyone has so much that they're trying to cram into every day Yeah, that just adding a little bit of uh, like a 15 minute buffer before and a 15 minute buffer at the end can actually make all the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So you are, yeah, you had a great resume, you got in the door mm-hmm. and now you are negotiating salary. Now we, we don't unfortunately have the time to explore this in great detail, but I will tell you, and we've talked, told this story before on the show that if there's a $10,000 disparity between you and somebody else coming in for a job and you're making $10,000 less, by the time you retire at 65, you've given up close to a million dollars. So I will tell you that, and, and I was not a negotiator. I didn't know how to negotiate my salary at the beginning. 90% of the people don't lead with their best offer. And there is room for negotiation. And it's certainly, it's very unlikely that you're not going to get the job if you try to negotiate. You know, a lot of people say, I'm not negotiating because I'll lose the job. But I know of numerous instances where they asked for more and they got more. And even if you don't get the, the full amount, if you get a little bit more, you're closer to, to closing that salary gap. Would you, would you agree with this, Anne? I agree. Isn't it a law now in New York? You can't ask someone what their current salary is too. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's also great. Um, That is great. That is great. I was thinking about this too, in terms of negotiating your salary. And I think I say this a lot. The resume is a great tool for that too, because if your resume is up to date and you're updating it and you know the work that you've done and you can state your accomplishments, then you'll be more confident and then you're going to be more confident asking for more money. Right, and that's key. Conf- that's key. Have confidence. Be confident. You're good, and you should project that by being confident and asking for more money when you're negotiating. Do not be afraid to negotiate. Um, and I want to thank you so much for being here. Time flies, right? It does. It went by it so went quickly. It went by so fast. And I, I hope that you'll come back. Oh, thank and, you. And we'll talk about. We'll go in, into more depth about what happens when you. Um, in the interviewing process. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next Thursday at 1 p.m. on Eastern Standard Time on Talk Radio NYC. And remember, if you're interested in team building, leadership, or diversity workshops, 
for your company. Um, please check out PokerDivas.com to learn more about our programs. It's not about gambling. It's about everything you need to learn, know at the poker table to be successful at the conference table. I think Anne will vouch for me in this area after her Poker Diva experience. I will. The workshop is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. And everybody, have a great rest of the week and hope to have you back here next week. This is Ellen Lakend on Poker Divas Talk Radio NYC. Bye. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi. I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.